We're busy journeying through the Psalms, and this morning I want to uh, kind of pick up where, where Piet left us off last week in opening up Psalm 126. For those of you who were part of that, you may uh, remember that he focused on the word remember. And so I want to kind of double click on that and expand that a little bit this morning, and we want to do so with the help of Psalm 103. Psalm 103. So if you have your Bibles here, can you turn there? That will be helpful. And we're going to read the whole Psalm together this morning. Psalm 103, verse 1. It says this. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your, all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's not always accused, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. So far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and, and remember to obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and, all, and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do this who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly host. You, His servants, who do the, His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Wow, this is God's word to us this morning. What a mouthful. Uh, I find myself, as I'm kind of now uh, approaching the 60s mark very fast, I find myself forgetting things, and uh, much to the irritation of those around me, shall I say, my wife, my kids, my colleagues at work, not to mention my German teacher who, let me be kind and say she is less tolerant towards my forgiveness, right? But I don't think forgetting things is necessarily an age thing, I think it's almost inevitable that we from time to time will forget things. Now Psalm 3, Psalm 103 was written by a king. 
King David, who when he wrote the psalm was at the top of his game. I mean, you could wake him up in the middle of the night and he would have been able to tell you how many troops he had deployed, where they were fighting, what they were doing, all the details around that. David was very aware of what was going on around him. And yet we see in the psalm that David also suffered from selected forgetfulness, especially when it came to matters of faith. And Psalm 103 gives us a very honest look at David's spiritual forgetfulness. Paul Tripp calls it gospel amnesia. I think it's something that all of us suffer from, and so we need to learn the skill to remember God. Now, you may be here this morning or visiting us online and say, Christo, that sounds all good and well, but I can't remember God because I don't have a relationship with Him. And the first thing I want to say to you is welcome. It's great to have you. Journey with us. Ask your questions. I was so blown away two weeks ago with Graham's testimony on many fronts, but one of the things that he said to me really stuck with me was that he came here for two years before he put his faith and trust in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church where people can come for two years and have their questions answered, where there's a sense of, of belonging before believing. I like that. And so if that's you this morning, you are very welcome. Martin Lloyd-Jones, great British 20th century preacher and author, wrote in his book, The Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cure. It's a book that I borrowed from for this morning. And I quote, he says, he asked the question, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. He says the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to address yourself. You have to talk to yourself. You have to preach to yourself. And so even though we don't forget God entirely, we tend to forget some of His promises, some of His goodness. There I say His message, the gospel, the things that He's done for us. We tend to forget this. And notice what David says in Psalm, in Psalm 103, right up front in verse 2. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You see that? Forget not. Church, don't forget. Now, how do you not forget? Well, you don't forget by reminding yourself, by talking to yourself, just like David is doing here in Psalm 103, and he wastes no time to go for the jugular. God's steadfast love. Have you picked it up? Four times he mentions this. Verse 4. He crowns you with his steadfast love. Verse 8, the Lord is abounding in steadfast love. Verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is, you guessed it, his steadfast love. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord will last from everlasting to everlasting. Steadfast love. Church, hear that this morning, that we are on the receiving end of God's steadfast love. 
And what I want to do for the rest of this morning is just to ask the simple question, well, what does that look like? Can you say to me, Krista, this sounds like a good theology or a theory, but can you point me to what this looks like tomorrow morning when I wake up? What does God's steadfast love look like in our lives? And I'm going to try my best to answer you by pointing us to three things. But before I get there, let me say a few things about the way that we tend to talk to ourselves. In fact, before I get there, let me just say a few things about this phrase that we read this morning, that as far as the east is from the west, God has moved our transgressions from us. This has puzzled me for a long time. And people way more clever than me points to the fact that it doesn't say the east and the west pole. It's, it doesn't say the, the south and the north pole. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that God has removed our transgressions as far as the south is from the north. That would be amazing. That's 12,500 miles south to north pole. It doesn't say that. It says from the east to the west. Now we know there is no east pole and west pole. If you can start walking from the east, you will never get west. It is an infinite distance, says David. That's how far. God has moved our transgressions from us. And verse 12 is a very important verse in the psalm. When he, David talks about transgressions, he doesn't talk about what you and I do all the time, every willy little sin. It's a very specific sin. It was the biggest sin of the time. The Hebrew word for it is pesha. And it is the act of a rebellion against God. If you committed Pesha, the only way you could be forgiven was once a year to enter the Holy of Holies, to get atonement that way. This was a big deal. And David says to himself, my soul, listen, God, our Father has moved, even Pesha has got no chance against him. That is the level of his forgiveness. And so David reminds himself of this. He talks to himself. He gives himself a soul pep talk. Now, my friends, if David needed a soul pep talk, then I think you and I can do with it as well from time to time. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you talk to yourself like that? Do you remind yourself of God's love and mercy and grace? Do you do you talk to yourself like that? Do you remember that? I think sometimes the way that we talk to us looks very different. I think for some of us, we're stuck in kind of a, a legalistic mindset. You know what that looks like? Man, if I just read this word enough, if I read the Bible enough, if I pray enough, if I come to church enough, if I do all these things, I'm going to be okay with God. I'm going to be right with God. And so we just kind of go through the motions. It's a duty. We practice the spiritual disciplines to be right with God. But the spiritual disciplines, my friends, were never designed to make us right, right with God. The only way we can be right with God is through the gospel, through inviting Jesus into our lives. But the spiritual disciplines, when we have a quiet time, is there for us to hear from God. 
So break out of that mindset. Some of us, the way that we talk to ourselves, we may be stuck in this, in this mindset of success and failure. You know what that looks like. Man, I've done okay here. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy with my performance. Or man, I've messed this up so badly. I am so dumb. I cannot believe I've done this. I'm such a failure. I'm a failure as a dad, as a husband, as a wife. Dare I say, as a Christian. For some of us, our self-talk is all about our appearance. And so I'm either to this or to that or to large or to small or to, to whatever. Some of us, our self-talk is all about our circumstances. Why does this happen to me all the time? Surely I need a break. Why can't my life look like so and so? Or perhaps your self-talk is about God himself. God, where are you? What's happened to you? Are you going to be cross with me forever? Have you forgotten to love us? Where are you, God? We, we tend to talk to ourselves like this. And this morning, I feel like David wants to move us from self-talk that's dominated by those things to self-talk that's dominated by God himself. Psalm 103. And I want to draw from this psalm just three points. I'd love us to own these three things and take it home with us today. I'd love you to remember these things again and again and again. Because this is what steadfast love looks like. Number one, God is my Savior. God is our Savior. You saw that in verses 3 through 5. Let me remind us. It says, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with his steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. One commentator said, the verbs tell the full story. Forgives, heals, randoms, uh, uh, redeems, crowns, satisfy. This is what God does. This is salvation talk, my friends. It is actually talk straight from the book of Exodus where God said to his people, despite your rebellion, despite you forgetting me, despite everything, despite worshiping false idols, I will stick to my promise with you. I will not move from the covenant promise that I made with you. And David is rehearsing this to himself. He's reminding him of this, that God has ransomed us. He's healed us. He's forgiven us. He's restored us. This is our God, our Savior. That's what we see here. And sin and pain and sorrow, and listen carefully, success will try to rob us from the things that God is doing in our lives so that we can forget about those things. Be careful of success. Success will you take you places where your character may not be able to sustain you. And these things will come to rob us, to blind us to the work that God has done 
in our lives and in your life specifically. And so David reminds himself about the irrevocable word of God in history. How he made himself known to Moses. How he rescued the Israelites. He takes, him, he takes himself and us back to the most pivotal thing or event that he can think about. He takes us back to Sinai. We God powerfully, decisively, victoriously rescued his people. David takes us back to those moments where we could see the work of God in the nation of Israel. And my friends, I really want to bring home this point to us that we'll do so well to follow David's example. And to pick up and to think about the way that God has worked in our lives. That we would remember it. Because what it does, it helps us to, to lift our gaze above our current circumstances. And it helps us to see what God has done in history. And what God has done for us. And we reflect on some of these stories. Now I think about Abram and Sarah. I think how a promise that was made to them was pivotal for the blessing of all nations. And how they couldn't conceive. And how God miraculously gave life to what was lifeless. Sometimes my soul only sees death and I think about this story. Sometimes my soul see only darkness. Then I think about Joseph. Man, Joseph was a brat. He acted like a spoiled young boy. And he ended up in prison. And God began to work in him. And God began to change him and speak to him. And gave him the chance to counsel Pharaoh. And you know what happened next? From the dark dungeon of a prison, he was co-leading the biggest nation in the world. And we need to think about these things. And David wants to coach our souls. He wants us to be reminded of the Savior work that God has done for us. And so we need to think about these stories. And we need to talk to our souls about how awesome God is in history, but in our lives. I want to challenge you this morning. Take the time this week to reflect on what God has done in your life. You'll be blown away. But secondly, we see from this passage that God is not only our Savior, but He's also my Father. Verse 13, as a father or a mother shows compassion to his or her children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For those of us who are parents, or maybe you are acting as a parent for somebody else's children, doesn't matter. But for those of us who that, have, that have children, you know exactly what this is about. That that relationship is like none other. That when we have, when our children go through hard times, pain and suffering, the compassion that we have towards them, there is no, there is no other compassion like that, my friends. 
You will not experience compassion like that. Elisa and I was recently looking at a, a very interesting documentary. Uh, and the brief was to a rank amateur filmmaker. And the brief was very simple. Yes, seven young cancer patients. Track them over 10 years and make a, make a documentary about that. Sounds simple. And you watch a three-year-old lying in absolute agony as needle after needle is shoved up the back. And a father standing next to her, tears running down his face, and he's saying, I'll take that needle. I'll take those needles. That's compassion. That's mercy. That's what David is talking about here. That is the, the, the compassion that God wants to give us. Compassion, mercy. He's the best possible parent you and I can ever have. He knows my frame, one of the translations says. He knows us. We're like his own kids. And so this morning, I want to ask you, why don't you run to him like your father? Have you stopped believing that he's your father? Have you stopped believing that he alone can satisfy the deepest longing of your soul? Have you stopped believing that? I want to... I want to say something to those of us that are in the marketplace who's, who's working hard and long. I want you to know that God does not frown on you wanting to build a great career. He doesn't frown on that. In fact, He's given you all the talents and gifts for you to be able to do that and worship Him. Just like He doesn't frown on our desire to be the best possible parents or grandparents or wife or husband or none of those things he frowns upon but let's not believe the lie that suggests that these things will satisfy the deepest longing of our souls because my friends for that they were never designed it cannot do it the deepest longing of our souls can only be satisfied when we are in worship with our creator that's the only way. A while ago, two of my colleagues, I uh, only have two colleagues, but anyway, uh, one of the guys been going through a divorce, has lived in a house for 20, 25 years, and so he said to me and, and the other guy on our team, uh, he needs to move into a much smaller place. Can we just come and give a little hand with, that was the language he used with the move, and I said, no problem. We rock up there at nine o'clock in the morning, and I got nervous when I saw that he rented a little kind of a panel van. So my initial thinking was we assisting. Then I became aware of the fact that we were the main deal. We were going to carry beds three stories high and shove it into this little panel van and then drove to his next destination. We did that the whole day. Come about six o'clock, we are all a little bit tired and sweaty. We're sitting, the three of us crammed in the front of this little this little panavan, and there's a beautiful Afrikaans word that described my mindset at the time. I can't use it from the pulpit, but for those of you who speak Afrikaans will know exactly what I'm talking about. And this was like our second or third last trip, and we drive past the building that we drove past 
10 times that day, but I never noticed it. And I looked at it and I said to the guy who we helped move, I said, wow, that is such an impressive building. It must be an art museum or an art gallery. He says, no, it's a church. I said, wow, that's interesting. Now, you need, you need to know that since we arrived here three, almost four years ago now, I've been praying one simple prayer. God, I don't know how. I don't know what it looks like, but somehow you need to use me in this relationship with these guys. They are some of the best guys I've ever met. Integrity, character, unbelievable. And so the guy that we help moving pops up from nowhere and he says, Christo, where does your peace come from? Notice he didn't ask, where does peace come from? He was very specific. And I'm thinking, man, how do I not mess up this moment? I've been praying for this moment for three years. What do I say? Where do I start? And I said, I'll tell you where it does not come from. It does not come from all the places where I have drank in my life, good, bad, and indifferent, to satisfy my soul, to get peace, it doesn't come from there. Boy, believe me, I've tried them. But peace comes when I'm one with my Creator who made me in His image so that I can be in this relationship. I was created for this relationship. The other stuff's good. It's good things. Please hear me out. But they will never, ever satisfy the deepest longing of your soul. That is reserved for our Father. And this morning, I want to challenge you like I challenged myself again this week. Run to your Father. He has compassion on you. He knows your frame. Run to Him. And then, thirdly, not only is God our Savior, our Father, but He's also our King. And this is important. Verse 19, it says this. It says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. My King is powerful. My King is sovereign. My King is in control. I am mortal. I'm a human being. I am not God. I'm so grateful this morning that I can place my life in the hands of a sovereign King. Man, if I place it in my hands, it's going to be a mess. But He's a sovereign King who rules over everything and from dust to dust, you and I will go. And this humbles us. And it needs to do that. It reminds us of our, our frailty. It reminds us of the brevity of life. The psalmist says, we just like grass. We are here today and gone tomorrow. But this is what we have to understand. That we bring our fallen condition, our fallen state, sometimes our sinful state, and perhaps this morning, 
our broken state. And we bring all of this together and we remind ourselves that I am the recipient of God's grace and mercy and compassion. Yes, I'm dust. Yes, I'm grass. Yes, I am a sinner. But the steadfast love of the God will last from everlasting to everlasting. And if you are someone who fears the Lord, who knows the Lord, who is in covenant with the Lord, who is in the relationship with the Lord, whose life is in the hands of the ruler of the universe, you can give a deep sigh of relief because he is gracious and merciful towards us. God is my savior. God is my father. And God is my king. That, my friends, is what God's steadfast love looks like. That God in all his mercy and kindness, despite our human rebellion, send his son not to come and wield his power, not to come and act full of authority, but to come as a servant, to live the life that you and I couldn't live, to, to die the death that you and I deserve to die. It's a story of unbelievable grace. For you and I, our natural tendency is, man, I want to work my way towards something. I want to work my way towards God's favor. God says, don't do that. You qualify anyway. Grace upon grace upon grace. It is divine. It is sacrificial. That God's tenderness and His patience and His love and His mercy and grace was poured out on lives like mine and yours. The steadfast love of God. Can we in the days and weeks and months to come remind ourselves of this? It's just three points. Can we meditate on that more? Can we read wider? Can we think deeper? Oh, God, your steadfast love. Let us pray. Father, this morning we come to you and we thank you that we can come to you in whatever state we are this morning. We're so grateful that the gospel by definition means that you are not interested in our performance, you're not interested in the veneer. 
but you are deeply interested in our hearts. And we want to present our hearts to you this morning in whatever state it may be. God, I want to pray for my friends in this room and those who are, who've joined us online. And my prayer is a simple one, Lord. Won't you help us to remember? Won't you help us to remember? God, where our hearts may have gone hard and dry, and dare I say even rebellious, come and remind us, my Savior, my Father, my King. I want to just give us a a minute or two this morning, just as we sit here. There's nothing that you have to do other than just to reflect on your life right now. There's nothing you need to hide because we can't hide anything from God anyway. Why don't you just whisper back to Him whatever the Holy Spirit puts in your heart right now and ask Him to help you to remember. Maybe this stuff is all new to you and you've never had a chance to come into this relationship that you were created for. Don't buy the lie that you were created for in the main anything that sits outside of the relationship with your Heavenly Father. And if that's you this morning, man, come running, come run after your Father. And you can, in the simplest words, come to Him. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to receive you. He's willing to do that anyway. And begin a life where you place your life in the hands of a king that's sovereign. And you can do no better than that. No better. And so God, whether we have been on the journey with you for many years, or a few months, or a few weeks, whether we've never met you this morning we want to come to you and we want to place our life in your hands and with it comes a great relief and we pray God come have your way come have your way this morning come have your way we pray Amen. Amen.